Come on, smile at somebody, high five somebody, grab a seat today, shake someone's hand. I heard a really aggressive high five over here. Someone was waiting for that. Love that so much. Thank you so much, Kyle. Glad you joined us for church today. I want to say this, if you're a guest in our church, um, you've never been here before, we treat guests really good. We just, we're so glad you're here. We know it's a big deal to come to church for the first time. And we meet people every single week. Man, dozens of people every single week. Every month, dozens of people come to church for the first time. And we know sometimes that's intimidating. Um, but we want to know we were expecting you, and we're really glad you're here. If you're a guest for the first time, would you go to the big yellow wall that says Guest Central? It's central if you're a guest. And go there. We have a gift for you. I just want to bless you just so you can enjoy it, so you will know that we prepared for you. So stop by there. Talk to our team for 30 seconds. Take this gift just so you know that we knew you were coming and we're glad you're there. Also, if you're a part of our church for a while and you're jumping in to help and you're like, hey, I want to be a part of this, it feels like these guys are doing a lot of fun. It feels like we're actually making a difference in the city. We are. We do have a lot of fun. We're making a difference, and we're always looking for people to jump in. It's better to be a part of than to watch from a distance. And we call those people that serve each week our dream team. It takes teamwork to make the well done, make the dream work. Uh, if you want to be part of that, it's four classes, 30 minutes each Sunday for four weeks in a row, just 30 minutes. You hear the vision, the DNA, what it means to serve. Uh, and today is class four, and next steps. So you just jump out there. You're like, I haven't done step three. doesn't matter. As long as you haven't done step four, you can start today, you can finish today, and uh, that's happening right after the service. Go to the big blue wall that says, what's next? And we'd love to see you do that. If you have your Bible today, you can turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And just sit there for a minute. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 4, but go to Acts chapter 20. Matthew 4, 4 says it this way. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In the last few weeks, we started a series, we stumbled into a series, to be honest. Came out of a word that was on our heart, uh, on my heart, and from that, I thought, this is not done. We just kept going with it. We've been going through the book of Acts. We've been unpacking each chapter as we've been doing one and done. If you've been following along in Acts, every day this month, we're reading one chapter each day. We're calling it one chapter and then you're done, one and done. And we started this talking about starvation. If you were there that Sunday, it was, a, it was a powerful moment in our church because sometimes we get into this and we think this is enough. And we have to realize that faith is not Sunday morning. It's actually a journey we walk 24-7, 365. We talked about starvation, how when people are starving physically, and we walked through some examples and symptoms that you can tell when someone's starving medically, and how Jesus likens starving physically to starving spiritually. That the, the Bible says that we are made body, soul, and spirit. And so many times they correspond and correlate to each other. And Jesus said that eating spiritually is a lot like eating physically. You can't live on bread alone. You need more than just food. Starvation, the symptoms we have discovered, looks a lot the same way spiritually. We, we talked about this. Maybe you'll remember this. But when you're starving physically, you're not getting enough. There's food shortage in your life. You're tired all the time. Well, spiritually, it's the same way. Maybe you're, you say things like this, I'm tired of church. I'm tired of God talk. All they want to talk about is God. We have this rule. I don't know if I should share this. I'm going to share it anyway. But we'll go out with friends sometime, and we're like, hey, this is the only rule. No talk about Nova tonight. But I'll say this, but we can talk about God all night long. 
Because sometimes in this, he's like, I don't want to talk about teams and, and where we need people and, and, and the budget and systems and events, but I'll talk about God. Maybe you're tired of people talking about God, what God's done. You're like, oh, man, just enough with the God talk. I get it, man. Sunday morning over coffee, I'm yours. Outside of that, let's talk about something else. Maybe you're tired of that. Maybe you're tired of talking to God. You're like, I'm just tired of making that effort. Maybe you're tired of trying to follow Jesus. This, the following Jesus is too difficult. It's too much commitment. It's too much sacrifice. You're like, I'm just tired of trying. I'm just going to slide, just going to coast, just going to do my thing. I don't know. Maybe you're tired. Another symptom is you feel weaker when you're starving physically. You don't have strength. We know this. You don't have the energy. You don't have the same nutrients and energy and the breaking down of, of food to energize your body. Well, it's the same spiritually. Maybe it's, it, it comes across like this. You don't serve anymore. Not only at church, but in your community, in your home. You used to serve your spouse or help your children. Maybe you used to help the school. Maybe you used to be on a dream team. And now you're like, I just don't want to serve anymore. I don't really have the energy. No longer resisting, have the strength to resist temptations that you were once strong against. That was, a, that was an absolute in my life. We would not do this as a family. I would not do this as a single. I would not do this. And now it's just like, you know what? I just, I don't have the strength to keep up that standard anymore. It's a sign that you're spiritually starving. Wounds take a long time to heal when you don't have enough food. You know that when you eat, it's amazing to me whenever you get a cut or an injury or a bruise, how the body repairs itself. When you don't feed it, your body starts to starve. It's not able to heal itself. Well, in spiritually, how many people are in this season are so easily offended? Wounds of a friend, wounds of community. You're like, man, I'm hurt by that person. And wounds happen. You cannot stop them from happening. We're not ignoring them happen. But it's like, instead of being healing, going, man, that, that hurt, that cut, that was a wound. It's like, I just, this is not healing. Why can't I let that face go from my mind? Why can't I let that conversation? And every time you're around people, all they hear is that same name, that same face, that same situation, and the healing doesn't happen. We get disappointed more often. We don't heal as quick. Man, I'm really disappointed. I'm just really, everyone lets you down. It's a sign maybe that you're starving spiritually. Another problem, another another symptom of starvation is heart problems, cardiac, stress, drop in blood pressure, Spiritually, it's the same thing. Your heart feels apathy towards causes you were once passionate about. Maybe once you were passionate about helping injustice in our city, and now you're like, eh, this doesn't do it for me. That's so 2019. Maybe there's causes that that used to stir you when you saw things, when you felt things, when you looked at people, you could know that you were a part of the solution in their life, and now you're like, I just don't feel like I used to. Could it be maybe, just maybe your blood pressure, your spiritual heart, is starving. And that's why the Bible says the word of God, it, 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 it feeds us. There's nutrients in here. There's something about the word of God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've been going through the book of Acts. Today, uh, I'm going to read just a little bit from the chapter 20. I couldn't get past chapter 20 on Tuesday. Now, I read the rest of the week, but that chapter 20 stuck with me. And I just want to unpack this little, just a little one chapter, just a little thing. I'm calling it today, takeouts. Take out. Just if you're taking notes, take this out. You're just gonna take this. Look at that. Just take it. Do we have another slide there? Do we have one? Can we mix this up? The box one. Do we have the box one? I like this one so much. Watch this. This just makes me feel like I'm just going home on date night and we're taking take out. Do we have that one? We don't have it. If it shows behind me, feel free to cheer. I'm gonna look one more time. Yeah! How many just want right now? I just want some tally tie right now. I want some Thai Express right now. Take out. I'm hoping chapter 20 today, you're going to put it in a little box, in a box, in a box, to the left, to the left. Come on, somebody. Just in a box to the left. Just take this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the only one that got that. Okay. Come on. 
We're all my single ladies. No. Some of you got that way too easy. If you, you're like, why are they laughing? You listen to Christian music and we love you. <laughs> See my halo? halo? Okay. Um, there's always three. Stop. You gave away my secret. This is a takeout box. We're hoping today that you would feed yourself. Take this home and chew on this. Digest this. Acts chapter 20. Let me get into it today. Acts chapter 20. Takeout. Verse 1 to 3 of chapter 20. If you have your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles out at the table. You can take one with you. We have them in Korean. We have them in Spanish. We have them in English. Um, but if you have your Bible today, Acts chapter 1, chapter 20, verse 1. says, when the uproar was over, Paul sent the believers, sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. He traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. I got stuck on that part because I said, yeah, Paul, me too, me too. Nothing spiritual there. I would just like to go to Greece for three months. That, on Tuesday morning, that hit me. It was a little rainy outside. I just pictured Paul just relaxing by a pool. Just, I pictured Paul just hanging out in Greece. And I'm like, you know what? That sound, me and Paul, we don't agree on a lot of things. He lived a really tough life, a lot of prison, a lot of beating. But you know what? That Paul, I could hang with that Paul for three months. You know, three months in Greece, down with that. But I thought, I can't stay here. I'm, I'm sure, God, you're speaking to me something from this chapter besides a desire for Greece. So I kept going. Let me tell you the part of the chapter that been, I've been chewing on this takeout all week. That I've been carrying this doggy bag around with me all week that I cannot shake. And it's in verse 22 to 24. Paul's on this journey. He's heading to Jerusalem. He's saying goodbye to people. He's saying, I'm not going to see you again. I'm not going to see you again. This is it. Um, your eternity is now in God's hands. I've, sp- I've preached the word. If you make it to eternity, if you, if you make it to your reward, that's on you, not me. I've done my part. You can read it in, the, in, chapter, in verse 20, 21, 22. In verse 22, he's now leaving for Jerusalem. It says this. It says, now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Again, I would have stayed in Greece at that point. Paul, loved you, enjoyed these three months. The rest is on you. Holy Spirit, you know, come Holy Spirit. It makes you pray that prayer a little differently. It says the Holy Spirit tells me, by the way, suffering in jail lie ahead. So encouraged. Aren't you encouraged? Are you glad you came to church today? So encouraged. Verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Let me read that first part again. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me. God, I pray for these next few minutes that your word would reach us at a deep level. God, I pray we would not binge eat on a Sunday morning that I would not be just a waiter serving people one meal a week. But, Father, I pray there would be a desire for your word, that we would not live off one meal a week, but, God, we would learn to cook. We would learn to eat. We would learn to dive in and dig in. God, would you feed us today? And would you give us a desire to eat? Would your word not return void, but would it would bring nutrients and life? I pray it would heal hearts. I pray it would heal wounds. I pray there would be energy spiritually in this room. I pray there would be vitality in our faith because of your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, verse 22 and 24, two things stood out to me. Number one is the Holy Spirit tells Paul that there's suffering and lies ahead of him. Second part it tells me is that his goal is to finish the work assigned to him. This is what stuck with me this week is I thought this, to define success is to divine success. 
Paul had a different definition of success than I think we do. If you ask me to define success, I think if I could break it down, and maybe you're the same way, it comes down to a word called comfort. For me, success means we have enough money where I can really go on vacation when I want, where I want. I don't need to use any credit to pay for car repairs. When my son or my daughter have a need, I can meet it. Success means to me we don't need to keep doing next steps because we have enough people serving that I'm comfortable enough that we can let that ministry close down. It means success means to me that I, I, I am comfortable in where I live, what I drive, what's in my bank account, the friends around me, that I'm, I'm just at a place where there's no discomfort, there's no trial, and there's no pain. I think if we were agreeing today, we would define success. You might define it as a dollar amount. Maybe you define it as a retirement amount. Maybe it's a certain level house or a place you live. I don't know what it would be for you, but I would argue that we probably could boil it down to the word comfort. It's amazing to me, Paul does not define success by comfort. He says, there's two things I know. Discomfort lie ahead of me, and I'm marching towards success, which is the finish, God's assignment on my life. To define success is to divine success. That God has a plan for your life. There is a divine calling on our lives. If you understand that, it will change the way you wake up, the way you sleep, and the way you live. I heard it said uh, my whole life that the, the two most important days in your life is the day you were born. And the second day is you find out why you had the first day. And so many people are so focused on the what and the who, and they never ask, why am I here? Paul here says, listen, there is discomfort ahead of me, but that's not success. In fact, I don't even define that as failure. I see it as a means to get to the goal, which is in verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me. Church, I want to remind you today that there's an assignment on your life. Some of you need to let that sink in. You're not just wandering through life hoping to find the right relationship and get the right job and afford the right house and go on the right places, there's actually a divine assignment on your life. There are problems in our world that God is calling us to solve. I was always told, if you find a problem and solve it, you'll never be out of work. The people that are successful are people that are solving problems. Think about everything you enjoy in life is usually a problem that someone once solved. I believe spiritually there's injustice in our city. There is hopelessness and homelessness. There are religious spirits. There are people far from God. There is loneliness. There is poverty. And there is oppression. And God has called his church to solve them. You are the answer for someone else's problem. For Paul, it was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They know there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a choice. There's a God that made you, he saved you, and he's called you. And his goal was to explain that to people. He said, that's my assignment. What's yours? Only you can know your assignment. To define success is to know it is divine success. Success is finishing the work assigned to us by Jesus Christ. If you have the wrong definition, you'll be running in the wrong direction. So many people are running in the wrong direction. and the right, wait, Something feels off here. I feel like I'm going great speeds in the wrong direction. If you have the wrong definition, you'll have the wrong direction. Paul knew calling was more important than comfort. That's why in verse 23, he's like, I'm about to get uncomfortable for a while. God tells me I'm going to be uncomfortable, but I'm assured this. If I'm uncomfortable, I'm still heading in the right direction towards calling. That comfort and calling many times are opposite. I've wrestled with this all week. I started reading the scripture. I'm trying to find someone in scripture who's really comfortable who's following Jesus, and I can't find them. It bothered me all week. 
Now, God's not against comfort, but if it comes down to calling or comfort, he'll choose calling every single time. And Paul was saying, listen, Paul spent three months in Greece in comfort. God wasn't against that time. But he said, you need to know, calling is more important than comfort. And if need be, you're going to walk through some trials, through some discomfort, to get to a place where I've called you to be. And as I read my scripture, we all say we're Jesus followers. We want to follow Jesus. We're Christians. When I read this book, it doesn't end well for Jesus followers. Jesus was betrayed and butchered, rose from the dead. His disciples were murdered, all except one who died of an old age, after he was boiled alive. But we say, I want to follow Jesus. And sometimes I think we've defined success as comfort, but God goes, no, no, listen, you've got to understand, you're seeing a chapter, but there's a bigger book. What got these men and women through this discomfort is they saw a calling bigger than the circumstance they were in. God is not against our comfort. God is not against us having things. He is against things having us. And sometimes I feel as I'm chasing comfort, and I wonder if, Sometimes I'm walking away from the path of God. And I look at Paul going, we would say he was successful in his calling, but much of his life was discomfort. Comfort can be a calling killer. Comfort isn't a true marker of success, according to followers of Jesus. And the problem is our culture defines success by comfort. And everything about this, this is not a subculture, this is cross-culture. That's why it's being attacked in culture today. It goes against most of culture. Culture says the more comfortable I am, uh, the more successful I am. And the Bible says, no, no, no. The more you follow the calling of God, that's how you know you're successful. Success and discomfort go together. Let me, let me give you an example. Doctors. They're respected. We need them in our province. We need, we need to pray for more doctors to come and doctors to stay. We, doctors are admired. You know, they never call for on a plane when there's an emergency. They never call for a pastor on a plane. Uh, is there a pastor on the plane? Could they identify themselves? We have an emergency in aisle C3. Never happens once. In fact, I usually try to hide who I am, right? Because all the good stories stop when they find out you're a pastor. I'll be golfing. I have a friend in this church who's a police officer, and both of us hate the question when we're golfing with random people. So what do you do? We will never ask somebody what they do, because then they're going to ask us what we do. And when they find out he's a cop and I'm a pastor, all the good stories stop. <laughs> we, re- we, re- we, re- we respect doctors. But, you know, at some point, even some in this room, you started counting the cost. You felt a desire to go towards medicine. And, and all of a sudden, you did the math going, you know, it's at least 10 years of schooling. That's a lot of discomfort. you got residency and studying, and you got to major in this. And you're like, 10 years? Man, if I start at 19, like, man, I'm almost 30. If I go to do this and do this, I could be at a 24, 23, 25. And we start counting the cost. And it's interesting that doctors, when they graduate, it's quickly how we forget about the discomfort And we see the success, but success and discomfort many times go hand in hand. See, many of us want a doctor's pay, but we don't want their student loans. Many of us want the influence a doctor has, but we don't want the amount of discomfort of studying and schooling and and the hours they keep. And it's funny how discomfort and success go together. Think about moms in this room. We celebrated Mother's Day a few weeks ago. Childbirth is very traumatic, and every mother said... (laughs) yeah have you seen childbirth it's horrible I don't know if they glorify if you don't know I'm just going to lower the birth rate right now in our church it's not on movies they're lightly glistening three pushes this baby comes out no they come out looking like aliens they come out they're like they're like green cone heads slime 
There's this other thing that comes out. I don't want to talk about that thing. It ain't over till that thing comes out. You're like, what is that? You know, what is that alien? And what's attached to the alien? It's got this tail going. There's a lot going on. Things are being ripped and pushed. And, uh, there's a whole bunch going on. If you've seen childbirth, you're like, we are never doing that again. Never. It's funny because we celebrate families and child, children, and we celebrate, we see the legacy of it. But if you define success as avoiding pain, you'll never be a mother. Moms don't see the pain, they see the life. That's why it's amazing to me. Nancy had uh, traumatic childbirths in, in both our kids and, and pregnancies. And it's amazing. Once that baby comes out, all the focus is on is I don't see the pain, I see the gain. I don't see the discomfort, I see the vision. I see, isn't it amazing how if you have the right definition of success, it changes the way you live? And if we're in our faith going after comfort, I think we might miss the calling of God. And Paul here is going, I'm uncomfortable, and I'm about to become really uncomfortable, but I'm right where he has me. I'm following the high calling of God. I want to encourage you today that discomfort isn't a sign you're walking away from God. Sometimes it's because you're walking towards God. The vision of your calling will help you embrace discomfort. That's why the Holy Spirit convicts us. It's a word we don't talk about it much in church anymore, about conviction. We try to avoid conviction. It's when we feel uncomfortable. But the reason why heaven convicts us, the Holy Spirit wants to convict us, is because there's an assignment from heaven on our lives. God wants his plan for your life even more than you want. Nothing else will satisfy but the calling of God. And God knows you're the best you when you're living the assignment he made you for. The God that made you has an assignment for your life. So he'll convict you knowing your best life. You don't know the plans he has for you, says the Lord. The plans he has for you are better than you could think, dream, or imagine. What is that? It's not a bigger house than you can imagine. Man, I'm dreaming of living in that neighborhood. That means God wants me living in a better neighborhood. No, no. God knows the plans you have, and you want to limit yourself. God has the assignment for you, the lane that you're to run in, the assignment on your life. And when you're in that lane, you feel the purpose of heaven, and nothing satisfies like feeling the presence of God. That's why once you've had it, you can't sin right no more. You can't, I'm going to warn you, this will ruin you from sinning. Because once you've felt the pleasure of God and the purpose of God and the calling of God, you can still go sin, but you don't enjoy it half as much because you know what you once had. It's like once you've had good coffee, but then you go to Tim Hortons. <laughs> conviction, please don't miss this, conviction is heaven's kiss. Some of us avoid conviction. We make you feel bad about it. It's actually a kiss from heaven to keep us on the right assignment. What is conviction? It's pulling you away from some things. It's also pulling you towards some things. If you've been in this walk for any amount of time, you'll feel this pull. I shouldn't be doing that. You want to look at this, do this, say that, be with these people. And you're like, why am I feeling, I, I, I feel I haven't pulling me. I want this. I want this moment. I want this time. I want this experience. And you feel this. That's the conviction of God. Other times you'll feel God pulling you towards something. Some of you felt it today when we talked about next steps. Some of you felt it today about backpacks. Not emotion. You felt like we're, we're supposed to do something now. You feel it when you drive by the bus and you see that person waiting at the bus thinking, I could drive them. You see it when someone at work brings up a conversation about something in their life that's painful. You're like, I can be a listening ear. That You feel it. You go, I don't really have time. I got a half hour. I want to eat my takeout that I took from Thai Express. And Pastor Mike reminded me, and I'm so glad I got that. I just, I, and you feel this, I need to be pulled towards this person. That is the conviction of God. Discomfort you're feeling can be conviction. And here's a thought that I've been wrestling through all week. 
is stop comforting what the Holy Spirit is convicting. Stop comforting. And so many times for ourselves, we start medicating and escaping what we feel, but it's the actually conviction of the Holy Spirit. I just, I just feel bad. I just feel, I don't feel myself. I feel, I feel worried about this. I feel like I just feel upset about this. You know what I need? I need another vacation, or I need another drink, or I need another substance, or I need another TV. I need another episode to watch. And we try to numb or escape or medicate what could be, not always, but could be the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if some of us would bow our knee and go, God's success is your calling, not my comfort, I think we would see a turn in our lives. Stop comforting what God is trying to convict. What about others? I felt this. Some of us are working against God in people in our lives. We're comforting people that the Holy Spirit's trying to convict. In Mark 10, you have the rich young ruler. I don't get time to read it today, but in Mark 10, there's this story. This young man comes up who's living right. He loves God. He has all the laws. He honors his parents. He, he, he doesn't lie, doesn't cheat, doesn't cheer for the Leafs. He's doing everything right. So make sure you're still with me. He walks up to Jesus because he sees this crowd of young people following him. They're laughing. They're full of faith. They're seeing miracles. They're living purpose. He's like, I want to be a part of that crowd. It feels like there's purpose all over them, and it's an attractive from the outside. And he walks up to Jesus and says, hey, I've kept every law. I've done everything. I went to every church service. I've done right. Can I, what does it take to follow you and be saved? And Jesus looks at him and goes, you've done everything right. But the one thing you lack, you need to give all that you own to the poor. He was like, ooh. Ooh, that's a lot. That's, that, I would be uncomfortable at that point. And it says that he lowered his head and was sorrowful. He walked away. Jesus said, listen, the calling on your life, is, it's not that having stuff is bad, but the stuff has you. You need to kill that God in your life of money. I need to be your God. If you want to follow me, you've done, done really well. You just got to kill that, that God of finances in your life that has a louder voice than me. Give it off and follow me. And the rich young ruler goes, that's too uncomfortable for me. He walks away sorrowfully and, and, and down, which tells me he feels conviction. He wasn't like, peace out. He's like, ah, oh, he's, he's uncomfortable wrestling with this. Here's what you don't see in Mark 10. You don't see the disciples. Jesus, keep going. We'll catch up. Run back. Go, listen. He goes to bed early. He's one of these prayers in the morning guys. So, like, we hang out after he goes to bed. We play board games, we play cards, we hang out. Listen, we play some basketball, we play ultimate frisbee, we do all these things. Listen, come by the crib around 10 o'clock, he'll be asleep. Listen, you don't need to follow the master, but you can still have us. You, don't, you, you can have the community without having follow the command. You can, you can be a part. You don't see the disciples going, it's okay, he's a little crazy, he's a little extreme. Listen, it's okay, hang with us, you'll get the benefit of community without following the command. You don't see that happening. And so many times God's speaking to people and we're like comforting those that God's trying to convict. And the rich young ruler is convicted and so many times we rush in and people are counting the cost of following Jesus. We're like, it's okay, you can still hang with us. We'll make you feel, it's not that bad, you're, it's fine. I know God asked you for that, but you don't need to give that up. You don't need to go towards that. And we're comforting people that God's trying to convict. We see it in Luke 15, the prodigal son. There's a story of this, this man and these two sons and it says the younger son looks at him and goes, I'm done with you. I'm done with your God. I'm done with this house. I'm out. Tradition says you need to die, and then you give the oldest an inheritance, and you give him my inheritance. Pops, I don't got time for you to die. Give me what's mine now. And the father 
graciously divides up his wealth before he's even dead and says, this is how much I estimate I'll be worth when I die. Here, I sell off some cows, sell off some barns, sell off some stuff. Here you go. This, 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 this son goes off and lives wild living. He goes off and lives sinful living. He's with people he shouldn't be with, doing things he shouldn't be doing. And it says that he loses all his money. And as a Jewish boy who was, could not be around pigs or things that were not kosher, he finds himself at his lowest pit in a pig pen eating what the pigs eat. You're not supposed to even eat pigs, let alone hang out with pigs. And he's actually eating what the pigs are eating in a pig pen at his lowest moment. And it says he comes to his senses and he turns he says, I, I, I've disobeyed my father. I'm not even worthy to be a son. I'll just go back and be a servant. You can read it in Luke 15. And it says he starts coming back. And when he's a long way off, the father who's full of grace runs to him. Doesn't wait for him to clean up, get to the right place. He runs to him because he's turned and says, you're not a servant. You're not an employee. You're my son. I'm going to put you back. Forget what you've spent. I'm putting it all back into your account. You're good. Here's a robe. Here's a party. You're my son. You know what you don't see in that chapter? You know what you don't, do not see in that story? You do not see the mother e-transferring him money while he's gone. You don't see a mother going, find to find him. Here, here's some soup. Slipping him 20s going, it's okay, your father's a little extreme. And I know, I know you, the way you feel. But listen, I just want to make sure you have enough to live. I feel you're uncomfortable right now. You're not eating right. You're not thinking right. You're not doing right. Look how dirty you are. Let, give me your laundry. Let me do your laundry for you. And so many times we're comforting who God's trying to convict. Sometimes in parenting with Nancy when our kids were younger, she would discipline our kids or I discipline our kids, go to your room, you need a timeout. And we need, listen, this was unbehavior that was not a part of our family. And one of us would feel bad. Mostly me would sneak food into them like, your mother's right, but here's a Twinkie, you know. I feel so bad. Here's an iPad, watch a show. Is your air conditioning on? Like, I, I, and I was working against my wife. Because all my kids are like, I don't mind going to my room. I got every technology, every snack I need. I need the alone time. Please send me to my room. And sometimes we can work against our spouses. You know what? Some of us are working against God. The Holy Spirit's trying to convict somebody. We're like, no, I'm going to give you community. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going I'm to I'm make up for it. I'm going to send you more texts. And I, I'm, we're, com we're, we're comforting people God's trying to convict. Pity is mercy's poor cousin. Pity is when you feel bad for someone's problem. Mercy is when you step in to solve someone's problem. Pity is sharing someone's post. They're going through a rough time. Mercy is making a meal and showing up at their house. Pity is a poor cousin to mercy. I am so thankful we didn't get God's pity. We got God's mercy. God didn't go, that's too bad. They're far from me. Their choices have led them astray. It's too bad. I feel really bad about this. He said, no, 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 Jesus, get up, get up, get up, go. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Go, solve the problem. Conviction keeps us in a place where God can solve our problems. We got God's mercy, not his pity. Today I want to remind you as we close in a minute, we're going to pray for some of you in a moment. You don't know Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute for me to pray for you. But in this church, I want to remind you that we have to define success as divine success. Conviction is a kiss from God to keep us on our assignment. When we read this word, it means that God wants to speak to us by his word and by his spirit. I'll warn you, when you read this, it'll convict you. This week, I thought, am I chasing comfort or calling? Hmm. 
really got stuck on the grease part. Really liked that part. I really pictured, I love Greek salad. Just, I could do that for three months. And I get to verse 22 and 24, and I'm like, oh God, don't let me chase comfort, let me chase calling. God, if you could throw some comfort in there, I'd really appreciate it. But I know there's an assignment on my life. I feel God's pleasure when I'm in his assignment. And our prayer for you is that you would feel God's pleasure on your life when you're in his assignment. Some of you are feeling convicted to move towards things. Don't medicate that and don't escape that. Some of you are being pulled away from things. Don't ignore that. Lean in. When God starts convicting our friends, our children, God, listen, we don't, we're, we don't need to comfort who God's convicting. We just need to stand there with open arms going, just turn, just turn. Let me run to you. You don't need to live right, act right, be right. You just need a change of heart, and I will meet you where you're at. Repentance is the road mercy runs on. Rebellion is where pity lives. But I just feel bad for you. You're uncomfortable in this season. God will direct you. Let me read verse 24 again, because this is defining success. If you're looking for a great definition of success, this is it. Verse 24. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Sir, there's an assignment on your life. Young lady, there's an assignment on your life. God's called you. He'll equip you. He's leading you. He's giving you a kiss from heaven. Go, no, no, just come back to the center of the road. Stay away from that ditch. Take this turn. He's convicting us. Why? Because the assignment matters on our life. Today, as we get ready to worship and close, I do want to take a moment. You say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I, I came to church recently. Maybe I've been coming for a few years. Maybe this is my first Sunday, and I say, I don't know Jesus. The Bible says that who can be saved? Who can know that they're right with God? It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. It means in your heart you believe there's a God. Jesus is his son. Jesus wants to help me and save me, that there's an assignment on my life. That I'm not just here with two feet in a heartbeat just trying to get through life. There's actually a divine assignment on my life. And Jesus Christ died for my sins to make me connected with God so I can hear God. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church service to hear from God. We come here to celebrate and we come here to educate. But you don't need this to know Jesus. This is where we come to celebrate. When you believe in your heart, you're like, I believe Jesus has a plan for my life. And then you confess with your mouth where at some point you go, that's me. I believe that. We do it through baptism, and we do it through raising of hands, even in services like this, going, I just want people to know, yeah, me, I believe that. With every head bowed, just for a moment, every head bowed, just for a moment, close your eyes. I'm going to ask you on the count of three, if you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me today. I've never prayed that prayer before. I've never said, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. I believe you're the son of God. Today's the first time. It starts a journey of faith, of conviction and purpose, of hearing from his, from his presence, it starts a, a beautiful journey where you're where God's called you to be. If you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. You, I've never prayed this prayer. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. One, two, three. If that's you, put your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll wait one more second. Anyone else want to be included in this prayer? Thank you. All right, can we all stand to our feet today? Would you repeat this prayer after me? It's no special prayer. It's just saying what we're believing, what we're committing to. Would you 
whether you, this is your first time, the four or five hands I saw, or whether you've already prayed this prayer decades ago, would you all say this after me? Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I know that you've called me. And today I answer. Today I come home to where I belong, which is right with you. Forgive me for my sin. Lead me in my faith. I love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate today? Conviction is heaven's kiss. Don't medicate it. Don't escape it. Don't run from it. Lean into it, and he'll keep you in the path of success. To define success is to have divine success. It's to finish the assignment that Jesus has called us to. Amen. Let's worship today as we take this with us today and chew on this.
kiss from heaven today, which is conviction. A couple things. Some of you, that school bus is where one thing you're being pulled towards. It's going to be in that lobby. You can scan that code. You can make plans now. Maybe it's serving in next steps. Maybe it's to block a number on your phone. You need to block. You don't need that text. You don't need that late night text. You do not need it anymore. Block it. Remove it. Maybe it's to love someone by giving them distance and let God convict so you don't need to comfort. I don't know what it is for you, but let the conviction of heaven rule your life. Discomfort is, 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 is partners with calling. God's calling us, and we can get through anything because he's our firm foundation. Amen. Lord, bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, and may his presence speak to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, everyone said, have an amazing week. We'll see you back here next Sunday morning.